Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Shut the fuck up. We are not done talking yet. I'm Sharla. And I'm Danielle. Together, we will be discussing current events, pop culture, writing, books, movies, and women's lives. We are smart, funny, and occasionally profane. Thanks for listening. See you on the other side. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Shut the Fuck Up. We are not done talking yet. And today our show is called Oh Canada. And we have two very special guests, uh, two women who are my good friends. We know each other from Nia. And then most recently, we know each other from our very badass uh, women canoe trips. And they are Anna Schantz from Burlington, Ontario, and Sandy Feldstein from Thornhill, Ontario. I'd like you both to meet my friend, Sharla. Hello, ladies. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, hey, Sharla, nice to meet you. To our podcast. We're so excited to have you ladies join us. You are our first international guests because we're trying to expand and take over the world. <laughs> it, it was our goal to have you share the podcast with some people because right now the only person who listens to our podcast from Canada is Linda. So for a few more people listen, we'd be like feeling kind of good about ourselves. I will, we listen to. I will definitely share it. Okay, thanks. Um, so to get the conversation started, one of the reasons why we asked you on our show is just to talk about the differences between Canada and the United States as whatever, cultural differences and, and other um, things. And I know that, Anna, you are... Um, not born in Canada. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. Um, I was born in Rochester, New York, or in the local parlance, Rochester, New York. Um, moved here for university in the early 70s. Uh, ended up marrying a Canadian and having five Canadian children and staying. It's, uh, I, I have one foot in each culture. But I want to also say that there are many cultures in the United States and in Canada. So you can't really generalize all that much, although I'm sure we will. True. Do you feel you, you maintain your American citizenship? Yes, I have. Um, in the last couple of years, I've thought about uh, giving it up and actually becoming a Canadian citizen. I'm a landed immigrant at the moment. Well, but we need your vote, so please stay. That has been my major reason for staying, and I have exercised my right. Um, yeah. Danielle just became a citizen mm, 2001, 15? 12. 12, yeah. That long ago? Wow, time flies. Yeah, so I could vote for Obama the second time. Yay! Yeah. And uh, Sandy, were you born in the Toronto area? I certainly was. Born, raised, left for a few years of school and came back. Um, I'm here. My husband's family's here. My family's here. Um, I was happy to get up and move almost anywhere else. But my husband, uh, he's a CA or CPA, what you call, and um, joined his father's practice. So um, transplanting wasn't really an option. So we made a life here. And um, yeah, so I haven't really moved very far, a few blocks from home, just north, north of the city limits. And, uh, and this is, I think, where I'm going to stay, so. And Danielle, what's your Canadian connection? Um, I was born in Canada in Moncton on the East Coast in the province of New Brunswick. My parents got married in Vancouver. My sister was born there. They moved to Moncton. I was born there. Then they moved to New Jersey and my brother was born there. So then I stayed in the United States ever since then, except that I went to McGill University in Montreal for two years. Gotcha. Which so is one of the, the greatest uh, rated universities in the world, let us add, along with 
my alma mater, U of T, University of Toronto. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I was wondering about the provinces. We were talking about those earlier. New Brunswick is where? On the east side somewhere? Very close to Maine. Oh, okay. Yes. In fact, there's a community out there, Campobello Island, that's just been in the news because the only way to get off the island is to go over the Roosevelt Bridge through Maine and back into Canada. And now that pot is legal in Canada, all the mail coming through to Canada has to go through the United States first. So everything is being searched. And they're really in an uproar of all the violation of their civil rights about this. So um, yeah, there's a few Canadian communities that are on the, uh, the US border. And I think there's a couple towns through Quebec and Vermont where the border actually goes through the town. Oh, I think I read somewhere that there's um, there's a town where the border goes to the library and yeah, there are yeah. people who are refugees who cannot enter the U.S. and they meet their families or something like that. And they meet in the library on the Canadian side. So crazy. Yeah, there's a place out near uh, Vancouver and Washington State where it's the same situation. There's a little plot of land. It's either Canada that juts into the states or vice versa. And they have to go through each other's countries to go to school, do their daily right. life. So. so we wanted to challenge you and find out if we can name all the provinces. Because, you know, Americans, we're just legendarily ignorant about Canada and Canada geography. So um, can we do it together? Cheryl and I? Yeah, let's try. All right, I know, I can do it. Ready? I'm gonna start west to east and then butt in if you know one. British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario. Wow. Quebec, uh, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, Newfoundland. Did I get it? Did, but you're missing our northern country, uh, our northern territories. Oh, I missed the territories. Um, Yukon. Yukon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what was the Northwest Territory? It's changed its name. Nunavut. Nunavut, right. Nunavut. Is that like N-U-N-A-V-I-T? Nunavut? Close. Uh, it's uh, V-E-T, isn't it? V-E-T, okay. Danielle, think, that was pretty impressive. V-U-I-T. I-T. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that in print. I think I memorized them when I was canoeing. I practiced. I'm well, not don't sure go why back. I, I cannot name all 50 states. Yeah, let's not do that. Boring, <laughs> so boring. That would be hard for us. I, I'm, I might be able to do that, but, but let's not. <laughs> yeah, there's too many, there's too many. So let's ask you, I have a question, I have a question. What is the deal with Drake? Like, how did this man take off into like this mega superstar? Guess what? I have the same question. <laughs> I, I also am old enough to wonder that because I look at him and I just see, dude, you look like you should be bagging my groceries. I don't know. He's just <laughs> this young guy who has a hip vibe and I guess his music is good. There are lots of people who like him, but mainly he's just kind of a an annoyance when I go to a Raptors game. <laughs> right. He, um, he, he started on Degrassi Street, which is a really popular Canadian show. And it was more for the tween and young teenage audience filmed in Toronto. And they had a huge following. And he so he got he got started in, in theater and in acting and and also in some singing. And I actually heard one of his high school music teachers interviewed about him. And, um, you know, he had some attitude. And apparently he has a much better voice than, 
then he even represents on his current style of music. Um, so he, he, you know, he's got some swagger. Got a lot of swagger. It's always interesting when um, Canadians become successful outside of Canada to, I think to Americans, we're always like, oh, wow, that person's really talented. And we always, I think we think American culture goes to Canada as opposed to the other direction. Sometimes. I think you would be correct. Or that our pop culture just generally is an export to every place, including Canada. I mean, do you ever feel as a Canadian that your culture is always being like trampled on by American TV, music, movies? I would say that Americans, um, most of Canadian culture is way below the radar for Americans mm -hmm. in general. And the Canadian culture that they do pick up on, like some of our great comedians or oh, legendary music stars or actors, um, they get kind of uh, drawn into the American, under the American umbrella. And yes. they're just considered to be American by proxy. And indeed, yes. a lot of them actually do move there for their work, their businesses and career yeah, so we we can share neil young that's okay yeah. <laughs> i was just thinking of neil young there's still like and Celine, she's made her home in florida and vegas and uh, we're happy to share her <laughs> yes and and really you you can keep justin bieber as far as i'm concerned <laughs> and then unrelated to um entertainment wayne gretzky does he still live in LA? What a legend. Um, last I heard, uh, yeah. I think his place was up for sale for a while for Mega Millions. And um, I, if he had been actually relocated back to Canada, it would have been front page news up here. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I was briefly in your wine country in the, um, over and kind of out by Burlington, but towards Niagara, right? And he right. has a winery and it was freaking me out. Yeah, he does. And I, I understand it's doing quite well. Yes, yeah, celebrity, celebrity wineries have really become all the rage in the States too, though, haven't they? True. So That's pretty normal. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny. I remember when um, the one time my family took a trip on the Rocky Mountaineer and we went from Calgary to Vancouver and they served nothing but wines from British Columbia and they were so fantastic. And I was sort of surprised just because I pictured that the weather wouldn't be really that conducive for um, grapes. But also, like, I feel like Canadian wines... Maybe they're exported to the U.S., but I had never actually had one, which was kind of surprising considering how unbelievably tasty they were. The BC area produces a lot of wine, but so does the area near us that Danielle mentioned, <laughs> the Niagara Peninsula. And some of the wines there are absolutely award-winning. Our, um, our Maritimes, too, Nova Scotia has a huge wine industry, and it's outstanding. But, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, trade packs and, you know, international business, what, what can be exported and imported to and from different countries. So, right. without being that well-versed in the liquor industry, I, I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of restrictions. And in fact, even in Canada, it's very hard to move product between, it's actually illegal to move um, liquor products between provinces, although everybody does it. Uh-huh. So, there you go. It's very backward. <laughs> <laughs> That's very unusual. Is that because they're trying to control the consumption? Or is it some, like, more financial trade economic reason that they're trying to keep it in a province? Yeah, it's just a matter of provincial, um, you know, income territory. They want to not allow outliers to infiltrate their marketplace right so even within canada that's a big that's a big thing 
So oh, you know, this is making, oh, go ahead. Let's also mention that, um, like, I don't know very much about the liquor business, but in Ontario anyway, it's, um, it's government controlled. So uh, if you're going to buy liquor, you can buy it in, in wine in supermarkets now, or there are beer stores, but mainly you go to what we call the LCBO, which, mm -hmm. which is a freestanding store, and it stands for the Liquor Board of, on, of mm. Sandy, help me out here. Liquor Control Board of Ontario, but we just call it the Lickbo. <laughs> That's and in Quebec, they have the same thing, the SAQ, which is their alcohol commission. Oh, yeah, you know, there used to be some states like, I think Pennsylvania used to be that way, where there was like the Pennsylvania state liquor stores that you would go to. Yeah, yeah. same kind of thing. When I was in Canada in the 80s, there were no, there was no wine and beer at the supermarket. You had to go to the LCBO. They're closed on Sunday for the oh. record. And I just found that to be so strange that they're still closed on Sunday. No, they're not. Was there. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh, no. And I haven't been closed on Sunday for years. Yeah. Oh, Linda told me they are. God, she's such a not alky for God's sake. <laughs> right? Right, but the supermarket selection is very limited, for sure. And we only started getting it a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, now, the three of you were on the canoe trip recently, correct? Yes, we were. And where was this canoe trip? This took place up on Lake Superior. And I know you know where that is because... Yes. The border runs through it. Uh, we were on the Canadian side near a small city called Wawa um, at a beautiful lodge uh, which outfits canoe trips. Um, I'm going to give it a plug here. It's called Naturally Superior Adventures. And uh, they have a lovely lodge and terrific staff. This is the second year we've gone on this canoe trip with a group of between... 10 and 15 women. And uh, it's just an incredible adventure to get out in the wild together and yes. just welcome what happens. Like every woman on these adventures, I would say they could use a tattoo that just says, bring it. Because <laughs> that's who we are. <laughs> And did you have wine on this trip? Did you have good Canadian wine? We had <laughs> shitty Canadian wine, but we had really good scotch. <laughs> I thought you'd never get to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Sandy brought scotch in her little flask, or maybe it was just a small bottle, I can't remember. And she's, you know, one day we're out there, it's about to rain or something. She's like, Danielle, you want some scotch? <laughs> I was like, yeah, heck yeah. So we find little glasses. And are we actually we're using the coffee cups? Yeah. And I started drinking scotch with her, and I was like, wow, this is really taking the edge off my stressful day. We're like, meanwhile, <laughs> on the most beautiful beach in the world with driftwood. And, um, and then it became a habit. We did it every day for the rest of the trip. Nice. It's a perfect cold weather, rainy drink. It's a perfect anytime drink. <laughs> uh, I believe one of the main attributes of scotch is it's more concentrated than wine. And so when you're, you know, schlepping your goods around with you on a canoe slash backpacking kind of trip, it saves room and weight. It's more Absolutely. efficient. I was briefly a scotch drinker when I lived in New York and I was poor and I couldn't really afford wine. I mean, it was so much more economical to drink scotch. You know, a bottle would last forever. And as much as we love naturally superior adventures, they do um, the, the wine buying a little bit on the budget. They went to Costco and it was box white wine. It, and then it's like poured into bottles to take with them. And I'm like, yeah, so I had some just, you know, cause I'm trying to, again, lighten up on my not, on my not stressful experience. And then I, I, I couldn't have it stopped. <laughs> you know, all this talk about alcohol is making me think about taxes. Right, because I assume that there are taxes on alcohol. Oh, yeah. But, like, generally, like, what is the tax situation in Canada? 
you know, there's income taxes, sales tax. It's, I mean, there's tons of possible taxes. How does it all work there? Well, every province also has its own sales tax. So, for example, out in Alberta, I don't believe they have any at all, um, which is part of the reason they're in big financial trouble now that the whole fossil fuel industry is taking a hit. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the backbone of their industry, but they don't have um, a, a tax platform to help keep, keep, keep shoring up their economy in the meantime. Ontario has more taxes. We have actually a blended tax um, because a, a national tax was implemented a number of years ago, a GST called the Goods and Services, and it's blended with our Ontario sales tax now. So in mm -hmm. Toronto, that totals 13%. Um, but, you know, every, every province has their own, has their own tax uh, platform. You know, it's like one tax in America, we don't have a national sales tax. Like a VAT in Europe is what, what value added tax. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we only have, we have sales taxes that are at the state level and sometimes the city as well, or, you know, different municipal areas. But then there's some states that don't have sales tax. Mm. At all. Well, like I lived in Massachusetts, people would go over to New Hampshire to buy expensive items because there was no sales tax. I remember that. We used to vacation in Maine and we used to uh, make sure we mm -hmm. picked up a lot of items when we were going through the little neck uh, through New Hampshire. Yep. Yeah, but just like uh, I'm sure for you, when it comes to election time, taxes are always right up there. A big bone of contention of how to how to enforce them, how to apply them, you know, what are they good for? How should they be assessed? And so I, I don't think there's ever going to be a consensus around that. So I have a question. Are your income taxes much higher than ours? Or do you know that? Like what funds your medical system? Well, we, we have, we have, um, Healthcare for all, but each province, it's a provincial program, so each province administers it independently. So the way it works in goods and goods and services that are covered might vary from one province to another. And not everything is covered. And we do not have a national pharmacare plan, which is to me the biggest um, hole in our system right now. Uh, but that is often a part of um, politicians' platforms like this last uh, go round, um, that was part of the NDP platform, I remember. Hmm. So it is on the radar and I do expect that we will see it at some point. So how do you pay for prescription drugs now? It can vary. Some people have um, group insurance through their work or their own independent extended insurance plans that you can buy privately um, oh. or out of pocket. So it varies from person to person and family to family. Well, you know, my impression, I think, is that the, dr the drug costs themselves are much lower in Canada, which is why older people like to go across the border and buy drugs. That's the drug costs here are much lower. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, that's also becoming a problem because there are busloads, junkets, that yeah. come across. And people are buying on mass and depleting our our supplies of you know certain things it's like things like the EpiPen, which went astronomical in the states. It's not cheap here, but it's a lot more affordable. Um, right. Apparently, insulin is a big is a big product that your that your folks like to come to and buy. So. I remember my podiatrist told me that he gets some particular drug, I think it's just like a face cream for something that he's got going on, that he orders it somehow online. And I guess there's a Canadian doctor who actually writes out the prescription. And then he gets it from Canada because it's cheaper than buying it here. However, when you're in hospital, any medication you get is covered. So 
if at least if you need to go to the hospital and be treated for something, um, all the drugs that you get while you're in the hospital are covered by your insurance. So, um, you know, we have we have a friend who um, spent twenty seven thousand dollars to take care of a kidney stone in the United States. And my son had a kidney stone a few years ago. I had to drive him to Emerge. Um, he was in there for probably 24 hours total with all the testing and pain alleviation and consults and everything. And the bill for it was zero. Yes. Oh, we had to pay for parking. I did pay $6 for parking. <coughs> That is so outstanding. You want to hear this? I, my cat bit me and I got an, a massive infection because I left it for 12 hours. So I did drive myself to the ER and I was there for, uh, I don't know, two hours. And my bill was six or $7,000 and my, my copay was uh, 1000 Oh my God. Just to get some stupid antibiotic. And it was Sunday. That's why I didn't go to a doctor in the first place. Yeah. So if you went to a doctor, would it cost you less? Yeah, my copay would have been twenty-five or thirty dollars, and then the medication—I don't know how much it would have cost—ten, twenty, thirty bucks, depending on. Yeah. Danielle, I also had an infected cat bite from my cat quite a few years ago. Um, I watched it out myself, not thinking, slapped a bandage on it, and went and did. Um, an aerobics class and a weightlifting class. And then I noticed I was feeling feverish. Went to the doctor. Long story, the antibiotics did not work. I had to end up after the third trip going to Emerge and getting um, IV antibiotics. And for that whole process over three days with you know different doctors, um, cost me out of pocket the parking at the hospital. All right, so we have established that your medical system is working way better than ours. And plus, Charlotte and I are talking to you. We can afford our copays. So yeah. I'm not crying my eyes out when I have, you know, blah, 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 and I get some bill. Like, okay, so Kaiser, I belong to the massive HMO. So they're like, okay, so a, an x-ray cost me 75 bucks, which is, of course, way more than you're paying, but it's not the end of the world. There are people like not getting any services they cannot afford it um our immigrants have if they have an emergency they have to go to the er and then hopefully they won't get charged because they have no money you know yeah. so yeah. It, it is twisted i'm worried i'm worried about our society and anyway but i could go on and hey you know what can we take a break and we'll come back and um ask some more questions yes sure, sure. Well, I have a question. I wanted to find out what you guys think about Trudeau, how you feel about him. That's a pretty open-ended question. <laughs> well, okay. How does he compare to your previous prime minister? <laughs> well, that's, that's a pretty extreme uh, differential right there. My personal thought is that, you know, Trudeau came in unexperienced just because he grew up in a political family doesn't make him a politician. Mm -hmm. I think fundamentally he's probably a good guy with good intentions and he's just has not been well managed. Um, and then like anybody else, a party leader is a figurehead and they have a lot of people behind them in politics and big business that are running the show and insisting that things are done a certain way. So as much as he's the leader of the party, I don't think he personally is responsible for a lot of the trouble he's getting into. Um, I think he definitely has to own some of it. Um, but I think as, as an individual, he seems like he's probably a pretty decent guy. I, I agree with Sandy. And I would further say that I think he is a principled and very intelligent man. Um, and I'm not sure that people realize how difficult it is to balance uh, the West and oil interests with, um, you know, more liberal or socially minded um, mm -hmm. principles. Uh, he's between a rock and a hard place. 
And there does, it can't be black and white. There does have to be a transition period from fossil fuels. And there's a lot of people whose livelihoods depend on oil. Um, so, you know, he's got to take care of all the people. And again, he is more of a figurehead uh, and just representing people. Um, so his team really needs to pull it together now with this minority government and, and get some things done for everybody. How many different political parties are there that are represented in the parliament? We have, uh, I believe there were six that got attention um, uh, at this last election. And um, one of them out of Quebec has just seen a resurgence, the Bloc Québécois, which really is kind of a separatist party because in Canada, Quebec has a distinction, uh, a unique identity, so that they're part of Canada, but a lot of things because of their Francophone culture and heritage and language and even their government runs differently. Um, they have, they're a distinct society. So the Bloc Québécois is really the party that represents them as unique and distinct. Um, and then locally you find fringe parties. We have the Rhinoceros Party in our riding, which is yes. <laughs> more satirical, but um, it wouldn't be the first time that a comedian ran for office and got elected. In, in either country. And yes. I, I just want to say in the last American uh, federal election, um, I, I went to sleep absolutely sure I would wake up to Hillary as president. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I could surmise is Trump was running on the American equivalent of a rhinoceros party. I thought he was a joke candidate. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, that was a very upsetting night. I remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> very traumatic. I think a lot of people remember that well, yeah. I don't know if you're aware, but in Ontario, our premier, who is the, the leader of the, the province, uh, is a man named Doug Ford, uh, and his nickname is Trump Light. I think I've read about him. Mm, yeah. Well, you might have heard about his brother, Rob, who was the Toronto mayor, the crack mayor, that he was on uh, mm -hmm. Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. And, and back then, you know, smoking crack seemed like a big deal. Um, but you look at everything that your president is up to, smoking crack is like nothing. So <laughs> it doesn't look so bad now. No, no. Cool. So this, this is his brother who's running our province. And in fact, I'll tell you, our election cycle is much shorter than yours. So when our election was called in the spring, the, the, our, our National Conservative Party basically shut down our provincial government, which is conservative, so that he wouldn't blunder and make mistakes and make things worse for them. So that's, that's how much of an uh, um, obstacle he was seen to be. Oh, actually, see, this actually makes me feel slightly better because <laughs> I always have this feeling that Canada is just kind of like an, a sane, normal version of the United States, that it's, you know, it's very similar, but somehow better organized and people do less crazy things. You don't have crazy gun shootings and, you know, this sort of thing. but. Obviously, well, we, you have your share of crazies, too. We do have our share of crazies here. And I would characterize Canada more as, um, you know, a slightly less healthy, more Americanized version of a Scandinavian country. Ah, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe having, you know, territory in the Arctic Circle gives right. us something in common. Um, but but yeah, I think it's more like that. But there are definitely crazies here. It's it's not you know, it's not utopia by any means. But uh, it it does seem to be a saner place these days. Yes, I think that's our perception anyway. And of course, people are always joking about how they are going to relocate to Canada if Trump gets reelected. I wonder. I any stats on how many people actually have gone through with that? Very few, I'm sure. You know, it's one of those things that's easy to talk about. 
that actually it's not do. so easy to get in the best way if you want to relocate is try and come in through an illegal border crossing as a refugee because our legal process is very slow okay i'll keep that in mind whenever, whenever my husband and i discuss that we need to buy a condo in vancouver just in case yeah it's a good idea um so what sandy and anna what do you think about americans i realize that anna is herself american but has been in canada so long so what it, like what do you think about us um as somebody who's lived here and, and my i have to disclose my kids now tell me mom you're not american anymore you're canadian everything that comes out of your mouth is canadian so except my accent when i've been home visiting for a few weeks um, I would have to say, um, again, that there are many, many cultures in the United States. You know, you can't really generalize. There's, you know, Taos, New Mexico is really different than Selma or, you know, Selma is different than Los Angeles. It's, and within those places, there are pockets of people. Um, you know, I, I, would, I guess what I would say uh, our common denominators is I would say, first of all, that American generosity and policy of open doors. I know it seems ironic to say it now, but that's always been a defining characteristic to me of Americans is mm. they are welcoming and generous. Uh, maybe not on a national level these days, but certainly on a personal level. Um, that's how most Americans are to me. Um, I'd also say that, uh, yeah, Americans are basically good people. I don't know what's going on now. It's more like maybe it's mad cow disease or something. Um, in terms of the negative, I would say Americans tend to be very um, America-centric. Um, mm. They look into themselves. Maybe it's, you know, that um, manifest destiny and... Uh, isolationist kind of doctrine still at work um, but they don't seem to travel as much as other peoples do they don't expose themselves to other countries mm -hmm. languages values as much and so they tend to think their way is the way yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of fear these days fear of the unknown i would characterize a general sentiment of ignorance and i don't mean that in a disrespectful way because you can't know what you don't know and just like an iq test is not indicative of somebody's true intelligence because it's only based on information that one has been exposed to so the media in general um doesn't pay a lot of attention to canada when the olympics are on if i turn on an american channel i will see all the american athletes participate i'll get their backstories i'll get their performance scores in canada you will see all the nations represented, you will get backstories on all the competitors, especially when you get to the upper levels of finals or playoffs or whatever it is in a particular sport. All the athletes from all over the world would be featured who are the best at what they do. In the United States, you get all the American athletes profiled. And if an American is not participating, that sport sort of disappears. That sport doesn't get covered. That doesn't get covered anymore. So, I mean, like Anna said, it's a true America-centric, and where that comes from, I don't know. Um, and I know that there was a lot of dismay through the NBA when the Raptors succeeded so well, and all of a sudden it was a Canadian team that was heading to the playoffs, and oh my God, they won. You know, that, that was just horrible horrifying well yes we, we, we were a little shocked mm -hmm. and, and then when we would watch the broadcasts on american channels and the commentators would be sharing their little insights about toronto and canada it was really um i don't know pretty amusing because even amongst them who you would think have research and resources and materials at their disposal to be well prepped there was there was a fair amount of humorous ignorance as well right uh, hey back now, in go ahead yeah. No, I was just to say when the NBA All-Star Week was here a couple of years before, it was February, and even for Toronto and for Canada, it was brutally cold. So that was their impression of, uh, of Canada. So when the basketball finals came up, it didn't matter that it was into May and June, they thought they were going to be in minus 30, minus 40. 
and uh, and facing that. So yeah, I think I think there's just uh, a lot of tunnel vision in the state. Yeah, people don't understand. They just are like, oh, Canada, it's snowing all the time. Yeah, they're just not understanding. They're well, like they're, they fly all the way to Paris. So like, oh, I fly to Paris every year. I'm like, oh, that's really boring. You know, try Montreal sometimes. Really nice and yeah, way closer and you know. Uh, but I, I, I think that's true. I think Americans, we're much more tuned into like, oh, I don't know, let's say the, the news from Europe than the news from Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the lead story on our, all our news channels the last few days have been your California fires. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That actually is not the case in the U.S. Here, it's all the hearings that are going on, the impeachment hearings. In mm -hmm. fact, Last night, one of the newscasters on MSNBC apologized to California and said, you know, the media is still very focused in New York and East Coast. And if we were experiencing what you were experiencing with smoke in our houses and, you know, having to wear smoke masks, it would be covered a lot more than it is being covered. But um, yeah, I think that we don't get Canadian news. We'd have to go really search for it. I mean, even like the New York Times and the Washington Post, which are national newspapers that cover international very well, they, they rarely have stories out of Canada, unless it's, I would say, maybe they call it politics. And that's about it. And 90% and roughly of the Canadian population live within spitting distance of the U.S. border because that's where our country is the most habitable, right? The, the rest of the country is not suitable for most of us to live in. It's raw and rugged. And if you look at a population map, most of the country is totally deserted of, of human life. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just kind of hugging along your, your, your collar there. What, what's your population right now? I forget. 37 million? Yeah, approximately. That oh, is smaller than California. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's real. That is very small. Spread out over, um, well, I guess it's spread out, but it's really concentrated. Well, we're about 38 million square miles, or sorry, 3,800,000 square miles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And only, so that, and then 37 million people so everybody gets their own piece of land if we were all to disperse is canada actively um seeking immigrants i mean i happen to know like a fair number of people in china who um you know after hong kong went back to china i knew hong kong people who emigrated and it it just seems like there's a fair amount of people who move into Canada from elsewhere? Well, Maybe. most most of Canada, except for our First Nations people, we're, we're from elsewhere, are from elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so actively seeking is kind of um, um, a politically correct way. I mean, our politicians like to say that they are, but again, the process is very difficult. Mm. Come in as a legal, like if you just want to move here and work and go through all the channels, and you're bringing your family, you're bringing perhaps some money, some skills. It's very, right. very difficult. Hmm. So they don't make. I I immigrated here in 1980 when I was married, um, <clears throat> and so that was pretty easy back then. And I still had to do the FBI background check and fingerprinting mm. and you know, let them know why it was worth their while to bring me in. Interesting. And you know, it's ironic, like there's certain areas and professions where we may have a shortage of people like in the, in the medical profession. And yet, for example, I have a friend and they came from South Africa a number of years ago and she was a fully trained and licensed pharmacist. And in order to be able to practice here, she had to go back to university and start over. It's not like she had to take any kind of Canadian equivalency and perhaps work an internship, she had to go back to square one. And, you know, same, same with uh, nurses that come, doctors even aren't necessarily automatically put into right. circulation. Um, all, ki all kinds of skills and practices where we need people, especially mm -hmm. in our rural communities, and people are willing to come and work there, and uh, we make it so hard for them. 
Huh. Now, would either of you consider moving to the U.S.? I used to think right up until, we'll say, the last few years of uh, returning to retire. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not married anymore. My kids are grown. And, you know, I have an attachment to upstate New York. I love it there. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love to have a place in the Finger Lakes. Um, not so much anymore. No, um, mm -hmm. I'm definitely settled here. And I would... I would be very unhappy to move back at this point. Um, I don't know what I would do about medical insurance, for example. I have, I guess it's a, what they call a pre-existing condition. I have an autoimmune disease. Um, so where does that put me? You know, I, I don't know. want to be spending yeah. money, retirement money on medical bills. Well, I think Medicare will accept you if you are, if, and when you hit 65. I, I don't know if I, if I could make the move because then, you know, we'd have to give up Hawaiian pizza. That's right. <laughs> what is Hawaiian pizza? Pineapple and I don't know, maybe bacon, but I'm bacon vegetarian. or ham. Ham, bacon that's it. But I'm vegetarian. I never was into the ham, but actually grilled like pineapple on pizza is pretty good. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to let that go. May and our maple. Well, although you have in Vermont, but you know maple syrup's a big deal here. <laughs> That's and, true. And and our candy bars. Well, we call them chocolate bars, like Coffee Crisp. You can't get there. I don't think I could let that go. And uh, our version of Kit Kat is way Kit better. Kit Mm-hmm. Wait, I don't know if you get. I think I've seen it in the states from time to time. I don't know where you get it from, but it's not very good. So I, th I think I'd miss some of those special favorites. <laughs> and, and Sandy, fireworks. Fireworks? Well, I, I don't know where, it, maybe this is a state to state thing, but when I was a kid growing up in upstate New York, we used to drive to Niagara Falls to smuggle back uh, sparklers and, <laughs> you know, fireworks for the 4th of July. You can't buy fireworks openly in the United States? Anywhere? Could could not do it um, as a private citizen Wow! Uh, in New York State when I was a kid. So it's possible in the last half century that things have changed, but we have so, many, we have so many fireworks in uh, California in Chinese New Year and 4th of July, and they're all illegal. There's these damn kids down the street just blowing them off, and they basically blow them off from June 15th to August 1st. So no, and it's completely illegal because our state's going to fucking burn down. I have to drop a few more F-bombs, so I don't think we had enough. So yeah, we have lots of them. We have lots of them. Um, but but uh, those aren't legally purchased, right? No, they're not legal, but we have fantastic displays. Right. Which, you know, cities do fireworks, so I, oh, that, yeah, we have, we have that, that too. Yeah, we have that too. But you can go, especially when you get outside the city into what we'll call, you know, cottage country or farm country, you can go into those local stores and buy fireworks, probably all year round. You can get fireworks at the Kilbride General Store right here mm -hmm. in North Burlington. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, not very good. <laughs> they're not very good, but uh, they're fun. But uh, well, what occasions do you have fireworks? Hello, Canada Day. Oh, Canada Day. Oh, excuse me. Oh, what day is Canada Day? July 1st. Uh, and we also have um, what we call May 2-4. Big firework occasion. So that's Victoria Day, as in Queen Victoria. Okay. So that's a nod to the British monarchy. And then in August, in some provinces, we have a civic holiday. It's called Simcoe Day. And Lord Grave Simcoe, who was an early... Uh, you know, uh, founder of a lot of our Canadian institutions and other provinces have their own version. Um, mm -hmm. So those are the those are the three main times that you would hear fireworks coming and going. Yeah. And is Canada Day on July first? What exactly is that commemorating? Is That's it our, our Confederation, Canada coming into being as a country? That's your July fourth. Okay. And when was that? What year was that? Like 1867. We're a young country. 
1867. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, that it is. It took us 100 years to get a flag. <laughs> eh? <laughs> <laughs> it was hard to get people to agree on exactly. a design. We all live so far apart that it took that long to get it together. So, If that yeah. had been a quiz for me, I would have failed. I didn't know what year it was. I knew July 1st, but I didn't know 1867. You know, I always think the United States is a very new country, but 1867 is even more so. Yeah, and our our last, I believe it was, uh, okay, whoever Canadian is listening is going to call me out on this if I'm wrong, but Newfoundland was the last province to join Confederation, and I think that was only in the 1940s, maybe like 47. Mm, that sounds right to me. Yeah, so that's not a long time ago. People well, didn't know that though. I went to call, I went to University of McGill and there was a guy from Newfoundland. So they kept saying to him, oh, you're from a territory. And then he would flip out. He'd be like, <laughs> I would like you to know that my, that the new, that Newfoundland became a province in 1947. And he like literally, he schooled people all day long because they didn't know. The kids from Ontario, the kids from Quebec, no idea. Seriously? No, he, he was probably more like, fuck nobody. I'm from the rock. It's a good place. <laughs> you know, I do have to say, as an American, there's something so unbelievably endearing and cute about what I think of as a Canadian accent. Now, there's probably a dozen Canadian accents to at the train beer. Yeah, at least every province probably has one in different towns. But I'm sitting here talking with you and I don't think you, like all the American TV that we get is sort of accent neutral. And yes. to me, I, I sound like any American TV actor that I see. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a, like a strong accent. You just uh, get the sorry, sorry. Sorry. Well, there may be certain words. There are certain words that Danielle says, and I think, oh, that's sort of Canadian sounding. <laughs> yeah, I, I have like, a whole litany. Like, sorry. I what? Like, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, and um, my house coat. Here we say bathrobe. Uh, egg. My mother says egg. Oh, yeah. Egg. Mm -hmm. Eggs. One, th one thing I've noticed here is, uh, and this is only a certain demographic, not everybody, um, but saying things like garage and oh. plaza, yeah. um, Mazda, uh, and I don't know, that sounds weird to me. I was brought up with a, an open A, which is kind of ironic coming from Rochester, New York, uh, but we always said plaza. My well, I have a friend from Canada who says taco for instead of taco. Yeah, yeah, days and logs, but it's all tomato, tomato, and again, that's all very regional as well. Also, I need to tell you all something. My, I'm always thought that my mother's either illiterate or has a um, speech impediment because she says Tuesday. She doesn't say Tuesday. T U E S Tuesday. She says Tuesday, and I'm like, God, why does she say that? And then I was in Canada. People were saying it. Ah, uh, do, do you say that Tuesday? Tuesday. I say it like T O O Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. Okay, Linda said Tuesday, which is fine. I just thought my mom was the only one who did it, so cool. Now, I think that's Canadian, and also if you watch CBC News, and oh. just like just like in England where they have BBC English, we have CBC English here. Oh. And you will, you will hear, I will always remember Peter Mansbridge saying, it's Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. And yeah. when people go to the table, they, they don't negotiate, they negotiate. Yes. That's, that's my pet peeve. I cannot, I have to put the TV on mute when they negotiate. And, uh, <laughs> and no. we have lieutenants, uh, not lieutenants. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we have a lot of, well, well British, British, uh, British, right? British inflection and, uh, uh, you know, pronunciation and spellings, right? Like we put our, the letter U in words like neighbor and color. Right. Honor, labor. Yeah. So. Now, listen, can you guys recommend a Canadian television show that I should be watching? 
I, I do watch one that I found on Netflix. It's called Corner Gas. Mm-hmm. And I think it's set in Saskatchewan. It is. It is charming. To people who come from Saskatchewan, it is charming. I don't know anybody else that watches it. It's very, I, very I, slow and quirky. I, I don't watch it myself. Um, I tend to more British TV, mm-hmm. uh, but I hear very good things about Schitt's Creek, which is um, just sweeping the networks. Um, it's produced starring Eugene Levy and his son. Sure, sure. I just want to name drop here and mention that uh, over the summer, our friend Linda and I, along with um, another friend, Charlotte, hi, Charlotte, had lunch at uh, Le Select Bistro in Toronto and were seated on the patio next to Lu- Eugene Levy and his wife. Oh, that if, is a- if you just want an everyday slice of life from, albeit a woman's pr- perspective, but there are men in the sketches and, and such, there's a very funny show called The Baroness von Sketch Show. And um, Baroness also on CBC, and they are pretty hilarious. And um, they, yeah, they just capture the slice of life moments and they're pretty outrageous, and uh, I, I find that one pretty funny. Danielle, do you get Canadian broadcasting? Do you get CBC? No. Is I mean, we have a million channels on our our cable lineup. I wonder Maybe if there's a Canadian one. Yeah, I should do search. I, I wonder if you could stream it. I don't know if it would broadcast into American internet space, because yeah. a lot of it can be watched online here. Yeah, we? of course. Good point. So you, you can certainly find the Baroness von Sketch um, sketches on YouTube. On YouTube. Oh, right. Okay. Thanks for the recommendation. So I'm going to say something shocking that we have spoken for one hour, or we have been speaking for one hour. So I guess just wrapping it up, I like you a lot. You're from Canada. Like you a lot. <laughs> Sharla, you're from the United States. I like you a lot. So that's it. We're friends and we're family and Canadians and Americans live alongside. We have a shitty uh, tr- president. Sorry. Really sorry. It's terrible. Really, really she's really sorry. It's so sorry. Um, so it's all good. We're going to um, move forward. That's going to end at some point, the reign of the orange person. and. Um, yeah, that's well, like, it. And pardon, like, go ahead. Like Robin Williams said, we're a nice little apartment on top of, and the United States is like the meth lab, right? And we're just a quiet little apartment sitting on top, minding our business. So, you, well, but you know what? You fought alongside us in the wars. You went over. You Canadians went to Europe too. I mean, and you and some have some of your people gone to um, Iraq. Can, can we just put it out there that maybe it's the other way around? Because Canada was in the wars well before the United States. World War I and two. Yeah. Apologies. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, this is really inspiring me. I'm going st- to go steady up on Canada. I am. I'm going to become a Canadian expert. Yeah, if we did this again a year from now, then you guys could ask me trivia about Canada and I will know it. Right, but you know what? Now that I'm yet, better yet, come visit. Come on up. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's a much more fun way to get to know a place. Oh yeah. yeah. Let's do that, let's do that. So maybe we'll call you another time and have you uh, ask you more crazy questions. Like, oh, you're from, you're from Canada. Are you an Eskimo? Like, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so charming to have you on. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for you, joining Danielle. us. Thanks for entertaining us. Thanks for the wonderful conversation that just makes me realize that we have a lot more in common than differences. That's so always good to know. That is a good thing to find out.
Yeah. Yeah. When you get four women at the table, you can solve all the problems in the world, right? A. A. We just solved all of them. Done. <laughs> done and done. For sure, right? Sure, right? Eh? <laughs> sure. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Canadian edition. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash Sharla Danielle podcast.